Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, really, I feel good that I only do this, you know, once a year because if I mess it all up and you're offended or you're mad or you're just bored, then you can come back next week. Keith will be here. He'll clean up my mess. Our worship team was incredible. I told him this morning, I was like, Steve told me he brought the A-team, and I was like, good. That way, if I bomb it, then at least you had a good worship experience, right? (laughs) No, I'm excited to be here. Um, My name is Natalie, and I wanted to put up a picture of our family. I feel like Keith gets up here all the time, but these little rugrats, they kind of run the show, and I love that that little pink thing in the middle. She looks like she runs it because she actually does run it. But this is our family. Um, This is my first ministry right here. So mamas, don't forget your kids. They're your first first ministry. So there they are. Um, I'm honored to be here, and I've got to pray so we can get started. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. Um, I thank you so much for walking up on this stage with me. You're right here. And I thank you that when I open my mouth, it's your words that come out. And so, Lord, I just I thank you for the people in this church. I thank you for my family um, that is here this morning. And um, let's just do this, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, I'm excited to preach this message. And if I had to boil down this message into two words, it would be grit and grace. And I know that grit is not a common word. Well, maybe it is for some. I mean, we are in Texas, right? We're gritty Texans. Um, but first, I want to start off with just a story about my encounter with grace. All right, so it happened a few, few years ago. I was driving back from Midland on my way to Lubbock. And I had been praying this prayer, this Psalms 139 prayer, like, Lord, search me and know me. Know my heart. Reveal to me my thoughts. If there's... Anything in here that needs to come out, Lord, just reveal it. And you and I both know if we've been Christians long enough, we know that praying prayers like this don't always end up the way we thought. It's kind of like when you pray for more patience and then your kids get worse. All right, so I knew that this was one of those dangerous prayers, but I trusted my Father. And so I just began to pray this over and over again. Search me and know me. Search me and know me. Reveal to me my own thoughts. Reveal to me my own heart. And as I was driving this day, I blacked out. <laughs> and it was the coolest, most amazing experience ever. Jesus had to take the will um, because the Lord dropped down a serious reality in me. And he revealed to me in an instant that my whole life, everything that I thought I'd earned through my grit, my hard work, my good decision-making, my sound mind, everything that I thought I had earned through my grit was actually because of His grace on my life. From my spot-free childhood, spot-free, I grew up Little House on the Prairie, spot-free childhood, basketball accolades in high school and in college, even my husband, I thought I earned him, (laughs) like, even my kids, my beautiful kids, like, I'm telling you, I'm being really vulnerable, really real, like, I honestly, genuinely thought my grit had earned this, and I was really proud of myself. I was really proud of this life that I created. It was all me, and as I was having this thought, as the Lord was just 
my whole life flashing before my eyes, and the, the Lord kept revealing himself to me, and I had that thought, it was all me. Instantly, I saw his face and his lips, and those words were coming right out of his mouth. It was all me. It was all him. And my mind was blown. To call this like a paradigm shift just doesn't even do it justice because it was information overload, computer crash, you know, like control-alt-delete, reset, restart. I couldn't comprehend all that was happening. And so I'm still driving. Thank God I'm still on the I don't know why I didn't pull over. I, my brain stopped working, so I didn't pull over. But I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, would you just show me what this means? Show me what, what you mean. It was all you. Like, what does this mean? And I got an image of him on the cross. And his arms were outstretched on the cross. And there I was, this little girl, knees in my hands, all curled up. And I was beneath his outstretched arms. And beneath his outstretched arms, the enemy couldn't get to me. The enemy that came to kill, steal, and destroy, he couldn't touch me. Because I was underneath the shelter of my father. I was underneath the outstretched arms of my Jesus. And so it was under these arms that I grew confident. And I grew powerful. And I was able to withstand because all the while his arms were sheltering me and empowering me. Grace was there all along. He bore the lashes, the pain, the insults. Everything that was aimed at me, he took it. Grace did that. And as I felt this moment begin to pass, my brain started working again, and immediately shame came. Immediately condemnation came. At this point, I was like 35, 36 years old, and I immediately thought, I'm in my 30s, and I'm still so immature. How could you be so immature to think that you actually did all this? Your grit is nothing. You're so stupid. I was embarrassed. I couldn't even see straight because I'm just overcome by the shame that I felt thinking that I had actually done all this. Oh, but he's a good father. And so once again, he interrupted my thoughts, turned my brain off again, and I saw his face. And Jesus was smirking at me. <laughs> I could see him smirking at me. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm having a moment, Lord, and you're just like smirking at me? It's like, yeah. It was like he actually thought it was cute. He thought it was cute that my whole life I thought I'd done it on my own. Just like we think it's cute when dads, you're breaking your back, holding on to the back of the uh, bicycle seat. You're breaking your back, holding on to this bicycle seat. And the kid's at the front, he's making eye contact with mom. And he's like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And mom's like, yeah, you're doing it. And dad's like, yeah, you're doing it, you're doing it. We would never, we would never say, no, you idiot, your dad has the bike, you're not going to fall. We would never say that. That's not what a good father would say, right? You agree with your kid, yeah, you're doing it and I got you, and you will never fall. Yeah, you're doing it, and I got your back. You go for it, baby. You go for it. Go faster. I've got you, right? That's what a good father would do, and that's what my father was doing in this moment, and I was a puddle. 
Grace is so bizarre. It's so multifaceted because I began to realize that my whole life, grace had been covering me, right? And then I began to realize that even this moment when I was covered in shame and guilt and like embarrassment, that his grace covered me then too. It's by his grace and not my grit. This Psalms 139 prayer that I prayed, search me, God, and know me. Reveal to me my own heart. Anything that's in there that needs to come out, this is the Natalie translation. Anything that's in there that needs to come out, reveal it to me. And he did it in the kindest way possible. And I, I believe that today he wants me to invite you on this journey too. See, we've taken some strides this year, Jesus and I. And if you've been around for very long and you've heard all the amazing messages that Keith has been preaching about grace, it's because I've been giving him a lot of content. I even looked at him one day and I'm like, you're welcome for that great message. Like, I know the whole time you're just preaching to me. And he was like, I know, it's about time God started using you to preach my messages instead of having to use me all the time. So, you're welcome. The title of today's message is Grit and Grace. And so to start, I want to define the two for you real quick. Grit, according to Google, is the power of passion and perseverance over the long haul. This is the American way. In Texas, we say get her done, right? This is how I grew up. Rise and shine. Grind it out, right? You want it? Great, baby, go get it. This is grit. This is my love language. You have to know this. When I was a coach, I coached for about six years, and I wanted a shirt that said, make plays, not excuses. And now when I'm marching around my house, I want a shirt that says, make beds, not excuses. I love being gritty. Grace, however, grace is the unearned, unmerited favor of the Lord. Ephesians 2 says, for grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, Paul's writing this of Jesus, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Ooh, weakness? I would just skip over this verse because I'm gritty, right? If I'm on a treadmill and you're on a treadmill, we're racing, right? I'm gritty. You over there with your hands on your knees, huffing and puffing, like this verse is for you. You're weak. This verse, mm. see, I can hold it out here right now. I can hold it out here, my pride, my stupidity. I can hold it out here and make you laugh because I'm covered by his grace, right? See, when you talk about grace as it pertains to salvation, amen. Even the most straight-laced person in here knows you're only saved by grace through faith. Confessing with your mouth, believing with your heart, having faith in his grace. By grace you have been saved, right? We all know this. But when we start to talk about grace because you're weak, that hits different. <laughs> so the first stop when we're talking about 
knowing that our grit alone isn't enough, is to remember that what is earned by the flesh will have to be sustained by the flesh. This is grit. If you walk through your life earning it, just know you'll have to walk through life earning it. And your flesh is weak. Your flesh is mortal. Your flesh will give up. Your flesh will give in. It has its breaking points. Grace, however, is a person. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, the Alpha and the Omega, right? Emmanuel, God with us. That's who we, run, who we run with. Your grit, your human grit is no match for his grace. Oh, but we love grit, right? Don't act like you don't love Mel Gibson. My girl over here, Alex, she paints her face blue just for the heck of it sometimes. Don't act like you don't love Mel Gibson with his blue face and he's rallying his men and he's yelling out, freedom! You love it, right? You love Gladiator. One of my favorite movies, Gladiator, and he's getting picked on by this pipsqueak king who earned it by killing his own dad. We're not going to get into that. But anyway, he's yelling at Russell Crowe, right? He's yelling at, he's like, tell me your name. What is your name, Gladiator? What is your name? And finally, he turns around and he takes off his helmet. And he's like, my name is Maximus Decimus Aurelius. And I will have my vengeance in one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Keith did that to me. He gets me all like stirred up. I feel like I'm so ferocious. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, your toenails are painted. Like, <laughs> Anyway, I digress. But I love to see people with some grit. And so I told the Lord, I'm having this battle. I'm like, Lord, I, I love gritty people. And if I'm being really honest, I, I don't think it's a sin. Like, I don't think it's wrong to love the grit. I love when there's some sweat equity, when there's some blood involved, when there's sweat involved, when there's sacrifice involved. And immediately Jesus came to mind. And God was like, yeah, baby, that's your DNA. When you're talking about blood and sweat and sacrifice, sounds familiar, right? Sounds like my Jesus. And this is where we need to flip the switch. This is the key. We have to reclaim what real grit is. It is more than our human strength. It's not good enough, remember? It's his strength working in us. Grace and grit, they're not in competition with one another. The Lord showed me that when grit is applied as a product of grace, when grit is applied as though empowered by grace, it is unstoppable. This is the life we're called to live. So if you're taking notes, this is point one. Grit must be empowered by grace. When we get knocked down, and notice I said when. I chose these words very carefully. When we get knocked down, not if, we have to be able to use our grit to look into grace. We have to muster up the grit to look into grace to get our power. And when grace comes upon us, then we can take a step. So this is what this looks like. You're walking through life. You're walking through life, and you stumble, and you fail, and you try to think better thoughts. You try to renew your mind. You try to wake up earlier. You try to work out harder. You try to sing more worship songs. And finally, enough is enough. Your flesh breaks. This is where grit comes into play. 
You muster up the grit to look unto Jesus. And when you do that, his grace will come upon you and empower you to take the next step. And then it's like this crazy divine momentum. More grace comes, I take another step. More grace comes, I take another step. And I might stumble, I might get tripped up, but grace says, oh no, I got you, I'm right here. I'm holding the bike, remember, I got you, I'm right here. You will not fail, you will not fall, grace is covering you. I told God the other day, I was asking him about this grit and grace and relationship and all the things, and I was just being really honest with him. (laughs) We've gotten really honest lately. But I said, Jesus' relationship with you is hard. It really is hard because it's like I need to feel close to you, so I get in my Bible and I read and I read and then I learn and I learn and then I'm responsible for now what I've learned, you know. And so then it's like, okay, well, let's, we got this going, we got this going. And, and I started getting kind of overwhelmed, like, how am I supposed to do this? I was whining, God, it's hard. And he answered, yes, my grace is sufficient. I was like, you're right. It's not really that hard. I mean, I'm not fighting for my life. I'm not trying to kill my own food. Like, your grace is sufficient. (laughs) But then I started thinking about the people that are fighting for their life, and they are fighting for their own food. And I'm like, well, Lord, what about them? What about this? What about that? What about people that have legit problems? Same answer. My grace is sufficient. And I tried to think of the biggest problem I could think of. He's consistent. Same answer. My grace is sufficient. For the small things and the incomprehensible things, his grace is sufficient. So when I got back, I was like, I need to look up that verse again. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, the message translation says it like this. My grace is enough. It's sufficient. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen, and I quit focusing on the handicap and, a bit and began appreciating the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness, so now I take limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Paul is so gritty. And that verse that used to make me say, ooh, weakness, now makes me feel invincible. I'm unstoppable because his grace is on me. My grit is empowered by his grace. So let yours be that way too. Let your grit be empowered by his grace. But here's the ditch we often find ourselves in. We forget that right believing is more powerful than right doing. We forget that the only way grit has lasting power is if we believe in the power of grace. The same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, it dwells in me. I say this verse over and over again. So when I go to pray for people, I am fully convinced that God will do what he promised. It's another scripture. I'm fully convinced 
And so when I go to pray for people, I know that my gritty prayer is not going to get the results. It's my gritty belief in his word that what he says will come to pass. He says to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely I receive, so freely I give. So when we pray, that's the kind of grit we have. We have grit in believing that his word will come to pass. And I also think it's interesting that verse, fully convinced, it's Romans 4, and I'm fully convinced that God will do what he accomplished. I think it's interesting that he used that word, fully convinced. I think you can be kind of convinced, kind of convinced the earth is flat. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but there's a difference between being, got you, I got you on that one. There's a difference between kind of convinced and fully convinced. I think it takes some gritty belief to be fully convinced. We got to have some grit when it comes to believing in the power of grace. And that's point number two. Grit must be about believing and not doing. <clears throat> Keith tells this story, and it's one of my favorite stories. Years ago, it may be in a decade ago now, years ago, I couldn't find Keith in the middle of the night. He was in the spare bedroom, and I knew I should not go in there. He was in there all night. And the next morning, I didn't ask him. I let him tell me what was going on. But I found out that all night long, he had been saying over and over and over again, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus on his knees in our spare bedroom, somewhere between the hundredth time and maybe the thousandth time he said it, he actually started believing it. And something broke off of him that day. And I believe that it was his gritty belief. He didn't just say it one or two times, like, well, I declared it. I wrote it down on my mirror, put it on a sticky note. He didn't just say it one or two times. He said it until he believed it. He was gritty about believing that word and the power and the freedom that would come. Joseph Prince is famous for his stance on grace. He says that right believing is more powerful than right doing. So let's be gritty about believing. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood, right? Girl had some grit. She was having this issue for 12 years, the Bible says. 12 years of bleeding, 12 years of spending all of her money, 12 years of seeing all the doctors. And I believe that finally she got gritty about believing all the things she had heard about Jesus. Jesus was coming into town. And she was gritty about believing in that power that he had, gritty about getting to him. And she came up to him. And was it easy for her to get to him? No. He was surrounded by people. But this girl had some grit, and she thought to herself she was fully convinced, fully convinced that if she could just touch the hem of his robe, then she would be healed. And you know what's cool about this? My favorite part of this story, this is how good grace is. He didn't decide to heal her. It just happened. He didn't even know what happened. Scriptures say he's looking around like, Power went from me, like, who touched me? And all the disciples are like, what are you talking about? There's people everywhere. But his grace and her faith, her gritty belief that he could heal, 
His grace did it. Involuntary reaction. That's how good his grace is. It's the kind of grit that I want. It's the kind of grit that we need as believers. We need some gritty people around us. Christians have to be the grittiest people on the face of the planet. The paralyzed man, I believe he had some gritty friends. Had some gritty friends. They go up to the house to see Jesus. The house is packed. Can't even get in. Religion would say, oh, it just it's, must not be meant to be. Jesus is busy. He's probably full. He doesn't have enough miracles to go around. We do this, don't we, as Christians? We don't get our opportunity like, well, it just must not be meant to be. No, let's have some grit about us, and let's look at our friend who's paralyzed, and let's climb on top of that roof. Let's dig a hole in it, and let's lower him down. That's what grit will do. we got to have some gritty friends. And what did Jesus say? He didn't look at that man and say, oh, you poor guy. Like, yes, you did all this work to get here. Let me heal you. No, he looked up to his gritty, faith-filled friends, and their faith got him healed. What if we're the kind of Christians that our faith gets someone else healed? There's someone in this room that I want to be healed. And I'm gritty. Y'all won the pot. (laughs) They made a bet that I would cry in the first service. (laughs) Dang it. I blame it on Lydia. But I'm gritty about her healing. I'm gritty about what the Bible says about healing. So, now I'm going to get to the good stuff. (laughs) This is why I'm really passionate about grit and grace. This is why I feel like God has taken me on this wild journey like none other. It's because I need this revelation, and I need to share it with you. And I said it earlier, but I believe that Christians should be the grittiest people on the face of the planet. Our grit is not made powerful by our efforts. We're all human. We're all flesh. We're all mortal. We're all weak. But when his grace comes upon us, we're unstoppable. Our grit can't fight the battles that we're seeing. Our human grit is no match for this demonic agenda that's being pushed right now. Our human grit makes any battle a battle of flesh. And we start dividing. Even the church will divide over some battle that is not fleshly. We need divine grit because we know better. We have to have the kind of grit that's empowered by grace so that we can be like Jesus. Remember I said grit causes you to look unto Jesus. Grit caused Jesus to look unto his Father. And he said, I only say what I hear my Father saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. Well, in this time, in this life, we've got to be gritty about what's going on. And we've got to look unto Jesus. And we have to say, Jesus, what are you saying about this? What have you said about this? What are you doing and what have you done? There's a war against women. You know it. Apparently, men can have babies too. Apparently, men can compete against women. 
and I'm an athlete, and I think I can take on all y'all. It's like when I'm running on a treadmill, but I'll tell you one thing. When I'm running on a treadmill, I'm not looking over here trying to race one of these dudes out here because women are not made to compete with men. Women were made to complement men. And so I told the Lord, because I'm a child now, and I'm like, draw me a picture. I asked the Lord, like, Lord, show me what this means. What is a man? Show me. And he showed me fire, a ravaging wildfire, the kind that is all-consuming, my man. Don't distract me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he showed me that men were fire. They are all powerful, but they are also life sustaining because they can keep you warm. So, yeah, they can kill you, but they can also save you. And I was like, oh, that's really good. Like, I really like that. So, Lord, what's a woman? What's a woman then? And the Lord, he knows my humor. And the only thing I got was a gallon of gasoline. And I started thinking about this. I was like, yeah, that's right. Because Keith is on fire. But with me, we can blow this whole thing up. (laughs) And even if your man is going through a season, and I feel like this may be for somebody in here, even if you're going through a season and you don't feel like nothing but static, You feel like an ember just floating in the wind. Well, if you've got a woman by your side, if you have a wife at your side, that's all you need because together you can burn it down. Some of you women need to know you are gasoline. (laughs) Light your husband up, right? (laughs) Got to have some grit. We look unto Jesus when we see these atrocities happening. And we look unto Jesus Lord, what are you saying? What are you doing? And he points me to the word nine times out of ten. And I see that God created them. Genesis 5, male and female. Well, that settles it. There's two. There's male and female. We're not the same. We're not interchangeable. And so then I take a step. Empowered by the truth of his word. Empowered by the grace that will come upon me. And I know that when the time arises, I will have the words to say if something needs to be said, and I'll know what to do if something needs to be done. Get gritty about believing that his grace is on you. There's a war against our children. They're not being protected. They're not even being parented. They're being forcefully exposed to pure evil, and we're calling this love and acceptance. They're being groomed for disaster. Well, my grit causes me to look to Jesus when I see this happening. And some savage once said, If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, this is Matthew 18. If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, those who believe in me, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned into the depths of the sea. Brutal. Savage. Did you know that was Jesus? Jesus said that. And he had some grit about him when he spoke the truth. So when there's a school system that's trying to cause my kid to stumble, or even your kid to stumble, 
I'm not going to partner with that. I'm going to yank them out. I'm going to go pick it if I need to pick it. I'm going to go join the school board. If I need a school board, you can find me on the PTA. I'm going to do whatever I need to do because I cannot partner with someone who is wanting to cause my child or your child to stumble. I get gritty about that. Christians, we have to assume our roles. We're the only ones empowered to do this, and it actually works. Everyone else is fighting with their flesh. we got to fight with him. I'm gritty about what God's word says about the rod of correction. I'm going there too. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And I've heard people tell me this a lot. You mean, you mean to tell me you're going to spank your kid? You're going to hit your kid for hitting? Yes. That doesn't make sense. I know. And I know what the word says. Take a journey through Proverbs 20 to 24. Then come back and talk to me. Because it says the rod of correction will drive out rebellion. It says the rod will rescue their soul from hell. So even though I don't believe, even though I don't understand it, it's the hardest thing in the world, especially remember that cute little pink dress that you saw, that little darling. It's the hardest thing in the world to take out my rod of correction. But I'm gritty about what his word says, not about my feelings. I'm gritty about believing his word. And so I take that rod and I use it on my daughter. And the craziest thing happens. And you parents know this. Craziest thing happens. I spank her. And immediately, what does she want? She wants me. She wants in my lap. And she's crying, hold me, mama, hold me. And I had the thought, what a wonderful thing. Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity because now I get to model to my daughter what it's like. Because most of the time she doesn't know why she's getting a spanking. She's three. I'm trying to teach her, but we're getting there. She doesn't understand this pain. She doesn't understand why it's happening. And it hurts, but where does she go? Into the arms of a loving mother. Into the arms of her loving father. What a cool thing that we get to teach our kids who will someday be adults and things will happen and they won't understand it and they'll know exactly where to go. Into the arms of a loving father who will never leave them or forsake them. And so if you haven't had like an earthly loving father, no, you've got one. You've got one. We need grit about believing his word. And I want to close with this story of grit and grace. It's one of my favorites. Acts 6, verse 8. Now Stephen was a man full of God's grace and power. A man of grit. He performed great wonders and signs among the people. And opposition arose. You mean to tell me he was doing the right thing and opposition arose? Yeah. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. There was a lot of people mad at him. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. 
It says they secretly persuaded other people to say some things. They stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. You go on, verse 13, they produced false witnesses to testify against him. Verse 15, and all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw his face was like that of an angel. I feel like this was Stephen using some grit to look unto Jesus. Get the right words, right? He knew he had to say something. All these accusations were coming against him. He had to say something, so he looked to Jesus. His face was like that of an angel. And for the next 50 verses, Stephen beautifully lays out the entire Bible. The entire Bible. Genesis to his present moment. And when he was finished laying that out, verse 51, it gets gritty. He says, you stiff-necked people. Whew. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through the angels but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices, and they all rushed at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen's grit looked unto Jesus. Grace came upon him and empowered him to say and do everything that needed to be said and done. And in his last breath, he used that grit, empowered grace, whatever you want to call it, he used it to point people back to Jesus. That's what we do. That's who we are. That's who I run with. That's who I want to be. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.